the seven strategies to build resilience are really about, okay, if there's this thing in your heart that's calling you, what do you need to develop around you so you have the resilience to like bring it home mm. and not just keep it on the back burner? Like, oh, I wish I could, or, you know, what is that excuse that's holding you back? Welcome to Building Doors. In this series, you'll develop the skills to build a roadmap for success, get inspired by those leaders who have come before you, and give you the confidence to stop waiting and start building. Welcome to the Building Doors podcast, Jen. Oh, I'm so excited to be here. <laughs> so Thank you. To have you. I'm going to tell the audience a little bit about your story for those that don't know you. So, Jen Drummond achieved business success as the founder and CEO of a thriving financial services company. Her move to Park City, Utah with her kids fed her family's passion for everything outdoors, from hiking and biking to skiing and mountain climbing. But on a snowy evening in 2018, Jen's life was knocked off its tracks. She was in a horrific car accident that brought her inches from death. All the authorities and experts agreed that she shouldn't have survived, yet somehow she did. In the aftermath of that brush with death, it became crystal clear to Jen that while she can't control when she dies, she and the rest of us can choose how we live. Jen's confrontation with death imbued her with vigour, enthusiasm and commitment for full engagement in her life. Now, more than ever, she is focused on becoming an inspiration, guide, and cheerleader, not just for her own children, but for all of us. She now spends her time inspiring others to live a full life of significance. Her book, Break Proof, Seven Strategies to Build Resilience and Achieve Your Life Goals, shares her story and strategies for success, a success-proof mindset. On June 1st, 2023, Jen Drummond summited Mount Logan, completing her quest to become the first woman in history to climb the Seven Second Summits. Her journey of setbacks and triumphs is inspiring to millions worldwide, attempting to accomplish their own audacious goals. Wow. I was reading your story before you came on and I just thought what an amazing woman and just the resilience and the mindset that you've had to have. So take us back or share share with us the story of your life-altering car accident and how that sort of changed your perspective on your own life and goals. Yeah. Um, you know, so I'm driving home on December 18 of 2018. I, my, the reservoir on the side of the road catches my attention. Mm. And I'm thinking like, oh, I wonder when it's going to freeze over, you know, all the things. And then my attention gets brought back to the road and I'm coming up really hot on a semi. So the semi's going slower than a snail. And I'm like, okay, I need to get in the other lane to not hit him. So I go to get into the other lane and I don't make it. Mm. And so the trailer, so he was pulling two semi beds. So the trailer hit my passenger side. And I remember this, I watched it happen. Mm. And I'm like, okay, am I going to die? Nope, I got the feeling that I wasn't going to die. And so then I held onto the steering wheel. I kept my head on the headrest. And I remember being like, I need to relax because if you relax, you're going to roll with the car instead of against it. And I'm not going to be able to fight the speed that this car is going. Mm. So I did one roll, two rolls, three rolls. And then the momentum started slowing down. So I started doing sideways rolls and then I ended up upside down in the median. And I'll remember this guy coming to me. He's like, are you okay? Are you okay? I looked at him. I'm like, okay, he's talking to me. Mm. I don't know if I'm okay based on his facial expression. I'm too afraid to look if I'm okay because mm. I feel really warm right now. Yeah. 
So I closed my eyes and I wiggled my fingers and toes. And I said out loud, I can feel my fingers and toes. I can feel my fingers and toes. I'm okay. He's like, you're going to be okay. So the ambulance came, took me to the hospital, ran a whole bunch of tests just to make sure I was okay. I got home and I walked in that front door and I saw my kids. I was like, wow. Mm-hmm. Like it's so close to not ever like walking in this front door again. Mm-hmm. Right? It's so close to everything being like done. Mm-hmm. And when I looked at it like that, I'm like, done. I have so much to give and do and see and experience. And I've been putting my life on hold because mm-hmm. I have these kids. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, I'm a stay-at-home mom and I'm going to do this mom thing. And I mean, I'm grateful for people that are stay-at-home moms and love it. Mm-hmm. I was a stay-at-home mom and didn't love it. Mm-hmm. And I kept telling myself, okay, well, once they get to college, then I'll do me. Once they get there, then I'll do me. And I think all of us listening know that if then. Yeah. Right? Like once I'm there, then I get mm. to be happier. Once I'm there, then I like am, I arrived or whatever. And I realized like my life's a gift, their life's a gift, and living is the gift back. Mm. And so I had a talk with my kids and I said, hey, listen, mom's going to start doing some things that she likes and it's going to change up the dynamics of our family a little bit. Mm-hmm. So we just need to talk about it. Mm. Is it working for you? Is it not working for you? Like, how do we go? But mom wants to start doing stuff that she's interested in again, and she hasn't really been doing a lot of that. So 2019 became this year of who am I? Mm. What do I even like to eat? What's my favorite color? What's it like, right? Like you just get yeah. so lost into the monotony of life and just the flow of everything that's happening that I, I, it's like 2019, I made a bucket list of all the things I wanted to see, do, and experience, which is going to take four lifetimes to make happen. <laughs> <laughs> and I, yeah. So, I mean, I just started finding out who Jen was and saying, like, I'm a mom and mm. I'm these other things. It's interesting as well when you look at what is often sold in the media as a good mom. Like, what's a good mom? Self-sacrificing. You know, all of these qualities that, and I went through the same journey when I had children, all these qualities that we see, I'm like, well, I've got to be a good mom, so I've got to put the kids first. But, you know, how can we tell our children to live their dreams if if we're not living ours, you know? Right. So tell me about that moment forward from you. What was it like reestablishing that family dynamic then um, with you doing things that you know you were passionate about. How did you feel, and what effect impact did that have on the family? Yeah, I mean, of course, at first it's wobbly, mm. right? Like anything new is—is is this right or is it wrong? Am I like? It, there's just so much doubt, right? It's messy mm. in the middle of all this stuff. Um, I remember journaling, and I bought a pack of pens, and every day I would journal in a different color, and it was like, oh, if I journal in red, then I feel like I'm correcting myself. My journal in yellow, it's happy, but I can't see it. If I journal, like, right? Like, so like, just like different things like that. Or I would, I made myself go out to dinner once a week. Mm. And then it was like, what do I even, do I want Mexican? Do I want Italian? Do I want sushi? Like, what am I even interested in? If someone took me out to dinner, what would I even order? Mm. I'm so used to eating chicken nuggets and leftover, right? Whatever, <laughs> yes. peanut butter and jelly, whatever was on anybody's <laughs> plate. Um, so it was that kind of thing. Um I was turning 40 in 2020. So I was looking at my bucket list. I'm like, I'm going to do something significant for my 40th birthday. And I decided I was going to climb a mountain. Mm-hmm. I had climbed one mountain before in Jackson Hole called the Grand Teton, 
I loved the experience. I loved being outdoors. I loved being in nature away from the noise of life. And so I'm like, okay, I'm gonna climb a mountain for my 40th. And I asked some friends that were big mountaineers, hey, if you could climb one mountain in the whole world, what would it be? And the general consensus was a mountain named Ama de Blom. Okay. Okay. It's located in Nepal. It's the Paramount Pictures logo. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So people can picture it now, typically. And it meant the mother's necklace. Mm. I'm like, oh, I have seven kids. Like, this is perfect. The mother's necklace, da 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 da. So I started training for that. And that was probably the first big thing that I stepped into. Mm. Mm. And did you always have that on your bucket list pre kids? Or was that something that you went after that life altering experience and decided to pursue? Yeah. You know, it's funny. When I was in college, I took a class called Healing, Dying, and Thriving. And it was like the only class available and I needed the credit. <laughs> okay. It was not a class I was excited about taking. And of course, it's like my favorite class that I took in college once I was done with it. But signing up for it, I'm like, oh my gosh, just give me the credits. And we had to interview people that were in hospice. So hospice means you're going to die within the next 12 months. Oh. And I remember interviewing a lady and I said, like one of the questions I asked her, I'm like, okay, if you could go back to your younger self, what would you tell her? She goes, I'd tell her to do her at all costs. Like who cares what everybody's opinion is? Just do you. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to like take that to heart. And so I had like a list of things I wanted to do then. Mm. I got into finance, which is another career that kind of teaches you like set goals, achieve them, save yes. money, make them happen. And then- like, like I had kids and then all hell hit loose, right? Like there's, who knows what my goals are? My goals are everybody is fed and in bed, okay? <laughs> bed, bedtime, you're at the places you need to be. Yeah. Yes, yeah. yeah, we have socks on, you know, all the little simple things. Like that's what my goals ended up being. Um, so it was like teaching myself to dream again and think about there's a lot of things this world has to offer. What advice would you give a stay-at-home mom that might be listening now that may be feeling like they've lost themselves a little bit. If you could think back now, after your whole experience, what advice would you give yourself back then? Yeah, I would look back and I would say, okay, I'm a mom now. And it's like the most awe-inspiring thing ever, right? Like anybody who's got, gets to be a mom that wants to be a mom, like it's amazing. Yeah. But learning how to have boundaries on your time and understand that you're still you. You're not only a mom. Mm. And if you look at your calendar and your calendar is 99.9% mom things, like start getting 5% back for you. Yeah. And then maybe even increase that a little bit. But I mean, it's hard at first, but it's so important. Mm. I think we need to take away the guilt from that. You know, mom guilt is real. And I think- if people don't feel guilty about taking that 5%, then maybe you can edge it to 10, you know, and slowly And like 10%, like what? Like 10% <laughs> of my life is for me? And that like, doesn't seem fair. It doesn't seem fair, but still it's like crazy how hard it is to do. Like I don't yes. want to discount that piece. Exactly. It is so hard. And here's what worked for me. is like I all of a sudden, like I'm looking at my son. I'm like, would I want my son to have my life? And when I use that as my like thermometer of, no, I want my son to be him a hundred percent and do these other roles that he has. Yes. But I don't want him 
like so when i'm like making decisions would i want jack to do this would i want jana to do this would i want julia to do this that kind of says yeah no not today or yes i would then that's my my way of saying yeah then i should do this because i need to show them what it's like mm. to be a healthy mom mm. and a healthy individual and I think you've hit the nail on the head there where holding yourself to the standard that you hold for your children. You know, mm -hmm. we want the best for our children. Why Why would we not want that for ourselves as well? Right. right. So becoming the first woman in history to climb the seven summits is a remarkable achievement. What are the, some of the key lessons that you learned in that journey or through that journey that you think we can now apply in our own lives? Oh, yeah. No, endless. Like every journey I think we take gives us endless lessons along the way. Um, I think a big one for me was waving our flag. Mm. Okay. So it's fun to wave your flag at the top of a mountain. I made it. Here I am. It's the summit photos. Like we've all seen summit photos of yeah. people saying like, here we are. Um, having the courage and the vulnerability and the ability to wave your flag down like the entire pursuit I think is so important mm -hmm. and often we don't give that enough credit. So for example, I didn't want to share the seven second summit journey until I was done. Mm. I wanted to like accomplish it first and then talk about it mm. because I didn't want all the, the messy to be shared, right? Mm. Because the journey is always messy. Mm. And, um, but I did, I shared it. My girlfriends convinced me, hey, you're doing this during COVID we're never going to get to any of these countries or see any of these places. Like, please share the journey so that we can be a part of it. Mm. I'm like, oh, okay, that makes sense. So I did. And for example, one of the climbs is in Kenya mm -hmm. and it's called Mount Kenya. And I was saving it kind of for the end because it's a more technical climb mm -hmm. and I wasn't a technical climber. So I had to build up that skill set. Well, somebody found out that that was one of my mountains they were involved in a charity over in Kenya. Mm -hmm. And they said, hey, we need to deliver this ambulance for our charity, but it would be save us a lot of money if you were already going there than sending another individual and doing all the PR part of it. Would you be open to partnering with us and making this happen? Mm. Yeah, yeah, 100%, like of are course. you kidding me? Like, yeah. And so because I was waving my flag of here's what I wanna do, mm. right? It signaled to the world, here's what I need, here's how I can help. Mm. And so like, it was perfect. So then I got, I started training more so that I could have the technical skills. I went over there, helped with that piece, got to climb the mountain, come home. And it made that journey so much more amazing because of that experience. Yes. Well, no one would have known about that if I wasn't waving my flag along the pursuit. Exactly. You know, and it happened again in K2 in 2021. So I went to Summit K2 and a teammate died in an oh. avalanche. Yeah, it was terrible. Another one lost his hand to frostbite. Like it was just one of those expeditions where a lot of things were going wrong. And so I only got to camp three. Mm. And so I like, like, all right, this is as high as my flag's gonna get this year. I came home, processed all that loss and things, and then had, you know, was going back because it's one of my climbs, so I have to do it. Well, before I went back, someone called me and said, hey, are you coming back this year? I know you need to do this climb. Yeah, I do. Like there's a female climber that wants to be the first Pakistani to stand on top of her country's prized peak. Oh, wow. Is there something that, can you bring gear over? There's stuff that you can do to make this easier for her. I'm like, yes, mm. right? So then I went back to climb in 2022. I summited, 
okay, cool. Mm. What was cooler is 30 minutes later, the first Pakistani female mm. stands on top of the summit of K2, right? Yeah. And you sit there and think, people knew what I was doing mm. and I was able to help. And I think you hit something there as well. When you fly your flag, you allow other people to as well. Yes. You know, by empowering her to come on that journey with you, yes. you sharing that journey created an opportunity for her. Yes. So how have you changed your mindset? Because so much around um, climbing and things is obviously that that flag, right? So how have you changed your mindset around the journey uh, and processing that as you go rather than waiting for the destination? Yeah, you know, I've been very um, more aware of how I like to celebrate at the end mm -hmm. and like learning to celebrate along the way and just allowing more of a community involvement, mm. right? Like it takes a village, and I know we hear this a thousand times to raise a family, yeah. but it really does. And mm. if you're running a family, if you're running a business, if you're climbing a mountain, like the bigger the mountain, the bigger the team mm. that you need to make everything happen and to everything come together. And so you, when you're waving your flag, you're collecting your tribe, you're yes. collecting your community because it's gonna attract people that wanna be a part of that and it's gonna deflect people that don't wanna be a part of that. And that's all perfect, Yes. right? And so then all of a sudden, like, here's what I'm doing, here's what I wanna do. Then people that wanna be a part of that movement get to jump aboard. Yes. And then it just makes it wider and bigger and so much more possible than if it was just you. I think so, sometimes it's just so hard to ask for help, isn't it? Oh, you know, so hard. you know, especially if you're achievement oriented as well. I've got this. You're independent. I've got it. My, I've got this. I can do it myself. I can do it myself. Tell me about how you, you know, how you feel about asking for help. Now you have accomplished so much. Obviously, that takes you know care for the kids sometimes yes. and additional support from the community around you. How how do you ask for help when you need it? Yeah. So I think we need to keep stories on speed dial that have been success for us when we've asked for help. So mm. I'll give like the best example I have, and I'm still humbled this all happened for me, is I was going to climb Everest mm -hmm. based on a challenge from my son. And so I, I'm like, okay, I'm gonna show you that whatever your Everest is, you're able to climb it physically or metaphorically. Well, I had never been gone from home that long, mm. right? Like I was only gone from home for three to four weeks. Yeah. I mean, I was maybe gone for five days yeah. before. So this was huge. huge. And that was the biggest thing that kept telling me like, I shouldn't go, I can't climb because my kids need me and who leaves their kids for three to four weeks. Like, okay, my kids are like in school. I have tons of amazing help. <laughs> like, around, yeah. I'm pretty sure that if I'm gone for three weeks, like <laughs> the wheels on the bus are not gonna fall off. But that was definitely my biggest hurdle. So I went to the kids' school mm. and I said, hey, listen, I'm gonna be gone. Grandma's coming, here's everybody taking care of everybody. I'm just letting you know because I'm worried about them and I just want you to have a little more grace because you understand what's going on behind the scenes. Yeah. And the teacher goes to me, she's like, hey, why don't we do a What's Your Everest campaign? Why don't you come in here, teach all the kids about setting goals, we'll put little hikers in the hallway, Aww. we'll have them write what their Everest goal is on that hiker, and the front of the building, when you come into the school, we'll have a huge mountain, which will be Mount Everest, and then we'll have you as a little hiker, and I had a tracking device on me. Yeah. So then the kids can track where you are in this pursuit. I was like, oh my gosh, that'd be amazing. And at Everest nowadays, you have Wi-Fi at base camp. 
So mm-hmm. I could zoom in to the classrooms and do Q and A's. That's so good. While I was good. gone, so here I'm gone with nobody that's saying mom or anything like that, which is hard. I'm like I have so much downtime. I don't know what to do with myself. <laughs> right, my kids' life is going on like normal, but they felt so seen, yeah, and so empowered. And this whole community was behind me. That when I summited Everest, it wasn't me summiting. It was like the 700 little kids in the school and everybody else. And then when I came home, it was like, man, when we allow people to help us, mm. when we allow people to be on this journey, like everybody benefits. Yes. It's almost selfish to not ask for help. Absolutely. And I think so often you think when you're asking for help that you're a burden on somebody else. And and so often I know so many mothers that don't or won't, but your story is a perfect example of what can happen when you do. You never know what's possible. If you ask for help, maybe there's someone else out there that's wanting to ask for your help as well, but is also too scared or too frightened to do that. And yes. then the, what an amazing journey for your kids because, yes. you know, it helped you as well because you're still connected to your kids, right? Because it's no longer your journey and you're away from the kids, but it's the family journey. It's the family journey. Yeah. And yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I'll have another example for this just because I think it's such an important point for all of us to learn how to own as COVID happened, mm. right? And so I'm living, I got lucky, and my kids and I are in Hawaii mm. during COVID. Oh. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> it is so tough, Jen, but yes. someone has to do it. Someone yep, had yep, to do it. We volunteered. <laughs> so we're in Hawaii doing COVID, and um, there's a ton of perks to that. But one of the negatives to it was, is that the, it's an island, mm. so they have to bring food in. And so they were worried about like milk and all this other kind of stuff and having enough. And so then when you went to the grocery store, I was only allowed to buy one milk mm-hmm. a day. And so, you know, I have seven kids. I go through a milk a day, okay? <laughs> like I can't just, and I can't go to the store every day. Well, I had little neighbors that became friends of ours because you're all stuck at home and no one knows what's going on. And is this the end of the world? This is the beginning of COVID. And so each day, like different people would go to the store and everybody in this little community would buy us some milk. Oh, And it was like, um, and, and it was amazing because here's the thing, like they were helping us with the milk, but then like one of the ladies was from Hawaii and she knew how to make the Hawaiian lays mm. and the tree would drop the flowers and my girls would go over to her house and they would learn how to make those necklaces together. Oh, yeah. So it was like a way for her to connect with family because none of them had family there. Yeah, They had family, but everybody was isolated from them because they were on mainland and they were on Hawaii. So we kind of became this little like hodgepodge family as this little unit mm. and we all contributed different ways. And when you allow people to help, you might be surprised how you're helping them just by being in their lives. Yes. And I think as well you, that importance of community is such a th- such a huge thing that's so often lost in today's society, you know, so yes. often, especially with COVID, you know, there was so much of that taken away at that time. And now I think it's amazing, you know, that you were able to discover that community in your neighbourhood. But also I'm interested in how do you apply those lessons now when you meet new people or deal with new people and go to new places? Are you creating new communities still? Oh, yeah, right? Like, <laughs> I mean, strike me as that type of person. Totally. I have people all over now. I collect them places. <laughs> it's like funny. But, you know, one of my climbs was in Australia. Yeah. And so when I went to Australia to climb, I like met a person over there. We became friends and he climbed with me and helped film it mm. and then took me around Sydney or whatever. And now I think I have 
like emails being written by helpful people in Australia. I have my website being helpfully designed by people in Australia. Like you just stay connected with different people because your vibe attracts your tribe. So true. You know? And so it's just been so fun. I'm going back to Africa in February to go climbing with some of my kids. And I'm bringing some of the people that I met from South Africa up to meet us there. And like, it's just... Yeah, it's life's so good. So you're going um, to climb in South Africa with your kids, right? Yeah. How many? Of okay. Your kids? So I went this yes. past year with my twin daughters to yep. South Africa, and we climbed a little bit. My one of my second summits was in Kenya, and my three. Now that I'm done with the pursuit, my three oldest boys are like, "Well, we want to go on one of those climbs with you." I love that. And I'm like, okay, well, let's do that. So we decided that we would climb in Kenya Mm. together because I think that's challenging enough for them, but Mm. not too much. Like it felt appropriate out of the choices that we had of the seven seconds. And um, when my twins and I went to South Africa to climb, we met really good climbers. Mm. And they're like, we'll drive up to Kenya and go climb with you there again with the other kids. I'm like, okay, come. (laughs) We're in. Let's do it. Let's make it happen. That's awesome. Yeah. So tell me a bit about um, more around your book, right? So you've done, because I really want to share with um, the audience some insights and what led to you writing that book. Why was the book the next thing that you wanted to do in, in your life story? Yeah. You know, right now, I like don't know how I ended up writing a book. <laughs> I'll be honest. So my next door neighbor has written a book. We're eating lunch. And he's like, you know, you should write a book. As in, maybe you want a brownie for dessert today, right? Like, it, I, I'm like, oh, that sounds like a great idea. I had no idea how much work is involved in writing yes, a book. Yes. I was like, man. Um, so halfway through the expeditions, that's when that conversation happened. I'm like, well, I have downtime at base camps and mm. stuff. So maybe I'll use that time to like write and collect my thoughts. And um, it's been challenging, but fun. And what I do is it's called break proof because I think there's things in life that break us out of our pattern, mm. break us out of the habit of being ourselves, get breakthroughs. Like, I think it's in the break that we have proof Do we want to continue down this path? Mm. Do we want to make a pivot and do something else? That break gives us awareness Mm. and awareness gives us choice. Yes. Right? And I think all of us are here with some special thing to do. Mm. And so the seven strategies to build resilience are really about, okay, if there's this thing in your heart that's calling you, Mm. what do you need to develop around you so you have the resilience to like bring it home Mm. and not just keep it on the back burner like oh I wish I could or you know what is that excuse that's holding you back Mm. and so the resilience strategies are what I used on the mountains Mm. which I feel like everything's a mountain yes right so I climb physical ones they still match all the metaphorical journeys that we go on in our own pursuits and just when they're tested in life or death situations, yes. you're like, okay, this is what works. This is how you continue. This is how you bring forth the thing you're here to do. What was one of the moments on the mountain where your resilience was really tested or where, you know, does it ever go to a dark place when you're trying to push through? I'm just curious of what happens from your mental state Um at, at those moments where you you know you kind of might feel a bit, a bit broken physically but what does that do mentally oh yeah mentally it's really challenging i would say most of the mountains are more mental mm. mental journeys than physical mm. because the physical journey you might have a crux move that's mm. hard or you might have a section that's hard 
but the whole mountain isn't hard mm. from a physical standpoint. From from a mental standpoint, it's an endurance game. Yeah. Right. So like as you're wearing on, you're like, okay, how do I keep this momentum up? How do I keep positivity up? How do I feel good about myself? And I'll go back to an experience on the mountain. We were climbing Mount Logan, mm -hmm. which is the second highest point of North America. It's like my home base mountain. So I'm like, oh, this is gonna be easy. <laughs> I, I think it was my <laughs> hardest one, to yeah, be honest okay. with you. Yeah, yes. Yeah. Like everybody knows K2 is deadly. This thing was hard. And one day we we're out on the mountain and we're skiing up. So we have skins on the bottom of our skis and we're carrying our stuff up. And it's a snowstorm. Mm. I'm wearing pink lenses. Oh. And my glasses. Okay. <laughs> and the reason why is when there's a certain light, if it's really bright out, you want your sunglasses on. Mm -hmm. But if it's a low light, you want pink because pink gives you depth perception still. Okay. Yep. okay? So it's a it's a low light lens mm -hmm. typically. So I'm wearing these pink glasses. And I'm like getting into the movement of what we're doing. And I feel like I'm in a cotton candy machine because there's <laughs> snow falling everywhere. Everything's got a pink hue to it. And I love cotton candy. And then I'm tied up to a rope to the guide. And in fact, the rope looked like a watermelon rind. Oh, wow. Right. And so like <laughs> I'm singing. Yeah. So right. I'm like, this is how like, uh, like Lulu land I'm in. And I'm sitting there singing that song, Watermelon Sugar High. Oh, yeah. Good song. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah good yeah, song. Yeah. And like my kids <laughs> play it all the time. And I'm like, I'm having a great time. Well, then my alarm goes off and my phone or my watch and it goes off because when you're at altitude you won't be hungry like your body doesn't trigger you like it's time to eat and yeah. you have to eat or you're going to get cold or frostbite or all these other things so the alarm goes off and it's time to stop so we all stop and i like go to move my glasses to get into my backpack and i take my glasses off and almost instantly my energy goes to zero and i'm like how long have we been in the snowstorm? Like, this is horrible. Are you sure we should be moving up the mountain in this? Like, this is scary. And everybody in my team looks at me and is like, where have you been? Like the last two hours of this wow. have been this bad. I'm like, I literally was thinking it was a cotton candy machine <laughs> and I was singing a song and I had no idea like this is what it was. And to me, it was so shocking that my energy changed that much mm. when the only thing changed was the lens on my glasses mm. and so as i like it's just perspective plays such a role yes in everything we're doing and so if you're going to make the commitment to go from point a to point b okay like let that's done now how can you make it fun or how can you mm. make it enjoyable or how can you make this thing not so much work Mm. And like for me, the pink lenses worked, right? Yes. Like my experience was entirely different than everybody else in my team. And I think when we're doing this day-to-day -day life, like we need to just remember like there's pink lens, like is there another perspective we can take on this particular situation that gives us more energy, that gives us more fun, yeah. that gives us more excitement because both scenarios were true. Mm. It's not like one was true and one was false. They're both realities. Mm. It's just like what one's more fun to have? Yeah. And I don't think I don't think we I don't think we query enough our lens or our perspective. You yes. know, we can get into this this rut or this cycle of thinking, and and I see it all the time with people that are dissatisfied with with their lives or where they're at, right. and they don't question the lens that yes. they're seeing things right. and what's really going on. Do you have a practice that um, you do on a daily basis or something that you do regularly that helps you maintain that 
positive lens of the world or being able to see things yes. differently. Yeah. I'm like a total nerd for this kind of stuff. Um, I have to. I did I- know. I was waiting for you to share. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, I, um, I have to. Like I need spontaneity in my life. Um, so I live by a red light and I'm the short side. So I always hit it red. Does that make sense? <laughs> yeah. And so for like the longest time when we first moved there, I'm like, I hate this light. It always gets in my way. Da, 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 da. And then one day I'm sitting there. I'm like, I'm the only thing grumpy about this light. That this light doesn't care that it's red. Only I care that it's red. Mm. And so I turn the red light into my gratitude light. Mm. So now every single time I'm at a red light, that's my trigger to go into gratitude. What am I grateful for? Whatever. And everybody who's in my car knows that's the rules. Yes. So then we all get to talk about what we're grateful for and blah, 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 blah. To the point now where sometimes if I hit it green, I'm like, oh man, I wanted to like pause and just like recalibrate and be grateful for things again. I love that. Isn't that funny? And it's just, yeah, it's just turning something that, that you might have seen as a negative stimulus and making that into something that fills your cup, makes yeah. you feel good. Yeah. Do your kids do it too? Oh yeah, we all do it. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. And with all the work that you've done, uh, writing a book, uh, climbing the seven summits, and then I know you're doing so much media work and things like that at the moment, promoting it, which is yeah. which is awesome. When you reflect on it, what's the legacy you want to leave in the world for the work that you've been doing? Yeah, um, I like I go back to the accident. I don't get to choose when I die, but I sure get to choose how I live. And I just really want people to realize like we choose mm-hmm. how we live. Yeah. We choose what we fill our time with. We choose how we feel mm-hmm. when something happens to us. We choose these things. And so we have so much more power mm-hmm. than we think. Mm-hmm. And if things aren't going well, like what other choices do you have to put you in a better spot forward? Because life's a gift. It goes fast. Yeah. And I just want people to enjoy it. Yeah. I really love, I just love how you've been able to apply so much of what you've done, you know, with climbing these mountains, but also in your mindset within life as well. And and then obviously that's shaping your kids too, because they're coming out now and, and climbing those mountains too. Do you ever think what life would have been like if you hadn't had that accident? Oh, I like I'm afraid to yeah. a little bit, to be honest with you. And like, that's the whole thing with the book is like, I wrote the book to me prior to the accident. Like I I wrote it to that version of me because I look at what happened when I stepped into my power over the last five years. Mm. And it's crazy. I could have never anticipated that I'd have this much impact or this much power, this much ability to help others with their pursuits while I'm doing mine. Yeah. And I think that's a lie that a lot of us subscribe to that I'm being selfish or I'm like that that's not helpful to others. When you start owning who you are and being selfish about that thing, like, look, I got to deliver an ambulance into Kenya. I got to help put the first Pakistani female on the top of K2. Like, there's endless stories of that. Yes. It's like, okay, well, if that was the case, then those things wouldn't have happened. Yes. And I think as well, you know, what you've talked about as well is the infinite power available in all of us that we just might not know. You know, yes. you've gone from staying at home, you know, with your kids and raising your kids to, to and kind of feeling a little bit lost about your yes. own purpose yes. to going and doing these amazing things and, you know, then inspiring other to do those other people to do those amazing things. So I think people are listening, then there's a real lesson in that, that you are far more capable than what you believe or yeah. even know. 100%. Like I had never slept in a tent 
before. Okay. And I took on this mountaineering type stuff. So if it sounds crazy and weird and doesn't fit, but it gets you excited, like who cares? Yes. You'll learn to sleep in a tent. You'll learn to climb a mountain. You like, you'll learn how to do it. And did you have the doubters or the naysayers that said, oh, "Oh, are you going to be, what? are you sure that's safe? Or, you know, did you have people? A thousand percent. Yeah. A thousand percent. That's why they say the current version of you needs to die for the future version of you to be here. Mm. Right. And you need like you're going to lose friends along the way. You're going to change groups that like that happens. Yeah. And it's sad, but it's also like the evolution of all of it. Right. Mm. You can't hold on to everybody all the time. But yeah, I had a ton of people like you're a terrible mom. You're selfish, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, you know what? They're only looking at it through their lens. They yes. don't know the the story. And you have to be really confident in who you are mm. to be able to weather that storm yeah. of all the noise of others. And I think reminding yourself when somebody's passing judgment on you that, that it's, you know, I think if you know it's their lens, you can come from a place of compassion too and go, it must be really hard for them seeing yes. the world with that lens, yes. that they'd see this great thing that we're doing in the world as somewhat less or something, you know, that, that they're not encouraging. So- yeah, it's really interesting. No, it is. And I mean, I had uh, one of my climbs had to happen over Christmas. Mm. Okay. Like Christmas is our favorite holiday. I you love can, Christmas. I love When do you start Christmas. decorating for Christmas? Yeah. Like Thanksgiving. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> we start in November. First November I start and everyone knows. First November my kids are like, come on, mommy, time to decorate. And people have told me so many times you can't decorate. You know, even my nan was like, no, <laughs> you can't decorate. But I, why wouldn't you make the joy last longer? Yes. Oh, I love Christmas and my kids know I love Christmas. It's seven kids with Christmas. I mean, there's nothing more magical. And so I remember like the climb in Antarctica, their summer is our winter. Mm. And they're like, hey, you can you got the permit. They issue one permit a year, but you need to leave December 18 and you'll be back January 9. And I'm like, I can't. And then I thought, you know what? I need to at least talk to my kids about it because we've been in this pursuit the entire time. I'm not allowed to make that decision by myself. Yeah. I mean, there's decisions we make by ourselves as parents, but then there's decisions that affect others that we can get their their opinion on. So I have this family meeting. And I tell the kids, I'm like, hey guys, mom got the permit, but I think I'm gonna wait a few years to do it because it's over Christmas and I don't wanna miss Christmas with you. And one of my sons like almost immediately goes, mom, you always taught us that Christmas is a feeling, not a day. Why does it matter what day we celebrate Christmas? Mm. And I'm like, right. And then, you know, my younger kids are like, does that mean we get two Christmases? <laughs> right? Like, they're like, um, I think this is going to work to our favor, right? <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. so my, I'm in. <laughs> I'm in, right? So my whole family was in. We talked about it. We had a strategy. We knew what we were going to do, blah, 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 to everybody else. Mm. I can't believe you're leaving your kids over Christmas. Like, what kind of mom is that? Yeah. You know, they weren't privy to the conversation that we had. They weren't privy to the decision-making process that we did. They don't know all those pieces. Yes. I mean, I sobbed on Christmas because I was by myself. They were ecstatic. They had like the best time ever. And we did Christmas before I left. And, you know, they filmed the whole thing. So then I could come back home and I watched it with them like on the actual day. But it is like, it's a feeling, not a day. Mm. And those are the things that you have to realize, like what, feels good to you and your people other people aren't going to understand and they're only going to judge from their perspective i just love that that's a great example because i think so often we hold ourselves back from other people's judgment who are looking through their own lens and that's not your lens you've got your own lens and you've got your own purpose and gifts that you were meant to bring into the world as well so 100 percent 
Look, I'm going to jump into the rocket round now because okay. I know you've. I, I'm very keen to learn a bit more um, about you um, out and and delve into some of the favorite books and favorite things that you've done. So, favorite book. Favorite book recently is Unreasonable Hospitality. Oh, yes. that sounds good. Really good. Is that about? Um, Tell me a bit, a bit about Yeah, what so Will Godera wrote it, and he was a restauranteur, mm. and his restaurant was selected as, like, there's the top 50 restaurants in the world. Wow. And he, like, so obviously being selected to go to this thing is an honor. Mm -hmm. Well, they all kind of guess on who gets what placement, mm. and he was dead last. And so he's like, and on a, like, after that night, he's like, we're going to be number one. Mm -hmm. And they end up becoming number one. But the book shows you how they go from last place to first place Ooh. and the things that they do where it's unreasonable hospitality and how that positioned them to be number one. And it's just a cool book because no matter what industry you're in or who you are as an individual, there's so many lessons from that yes. book to be a better human. Yes. And it was, I just love it. It was a really good, good book. book. Yeah. And what's your favorite holiday destination? destination you know we just went to cape town yeah kind of in love 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 i want to go there for all the animals so yes that's, that's what we did yeah huge fan of animals in our family so yes. like the safari would be on our yes. bucket list i'm glad yes. you loved it cats or dogs cats yeah <laughs> yay cats haven't been getting many awards um look a lot of australian guests have been saying um dogs so it's good to get one for the cats do you have some cats we i just got two new ones on friday oh, what yes. are their names um well they haven't decided 100 percent yet but i think we're at nobu and luna oh cute yeah um coffee or wine tea 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 mm, nice. i know uh, what kind of tea do you like to drink i like earl grey Oh, oh, great. I like Earl Grey. Yeah. And green. I like green tea, actually, in the afternoon. Uh, and what podcast are you listening to right now? Ooh, I like Impact Theory. Impact Theory. I haven't yeah. heard that one. Uh, and what makes you feel like you're home? Mm, my kids. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we can be anywhere, and I'm like, where, like wherever we are, if I'm with them, why am I at home? Yeah, you've got each other. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming on as a guest. I've absolutely loved the authenticity and everything that you've shared of your own personal journey. And I think so many listeners will get a lot out of it. Okay. I want to let people know, how can they take that step forward as well? Tell us more about your book and some of your other ende endeavors that you've got to support people as well, Jen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So go to jendrummond.com. You'll have a link to buy the book. So please buy the book. We have a whole bunch of fun um, pre-sale freebies that come with it right now. And then I also run some challenges. Nice. So I have an intention challenge, an Everest challenge where you climb Everest from the comfort of your own home, mm. um, a parenting one and a leadership one. And then we have some retreats and just fun stuff. I love be a part that. Of. I yeah. love that. And I think, you know, clearly from the podcast, there's just so much more that people can learn and gain um, from their lens in the world and getting around. I mean, if, if they're going to be doing these challenges, they're going to be able to get access to the right people to help propel them forward and yes. the right tribe to take them to the next level. So thank you so much for coming on the Building Doors podcast, Jen. I've loved having you as a guest. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Building Doors. If you've got comments or questions, send them to hello at buildingdoors.com.au. And remember to subscribe, rate and review. See you next time.